Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, we're at the Fall Pop-Up Podcast Center in New York City, and we'd like to welcome Michael Reisner, who is the co-founder and co-CEO at Scion Investments. Scion is a leading manager of alternative investment solutions designed to redefine the way investors can build their portfolios. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a great New York day. Just beautiful. Absolutely. Scion is an alternative manager that provides access to institutional style products, but Scion focuses more on the individual investor. Can you talk about your business model and why you saw an opportunity to deliver alternatives in this way? Sure. So, you know, for years, institutional investors, pension funds, endowments have allocated significantly to alternative investments. Uh, I think 10 years ago, they allocated somewhere between 10 and 15% of their portfolio, whereas today it's about 35 to 40%. The retail investor, however, is still, in our opinion, under allocated to alternatives. Um, I think when you look across the retail landscape, only about 2% of their assets are allocated to alternatives. Um, there's a lot of reasons for this, which we can get into. Um, a lot of it is um, structure wasn't always there for a retail investor, education, the know-how. I think a lot of people think of alternatives as, as being scary, as being risky. Um, so we want to be kind of a, a solution provider to allow retail investors and their advisors, financial advisors, to have access to alternative investments, uh, institutional-style investing, that, again, heretofore wasn't available to the average investor on the street. Yeah, alternatives are becoming less scary because there's something else scarier out there. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And they're becoming more popular with investors. Um, Can you discuss what the potential benefits are for the individual investor when they think about including alternatives in their portfolio? Sure. So, you know, I think for the last 10 years, the S&P has has ripped higher, you know, teen-type returns. Um, there is a philosophy, the, the 60-40 theory of investing or portfolio managing that I'm sure your, your listeners are aware of. You know, as we look at that right now, obviously this year, we don't have to get into <laughs> how a 60-40 oh, portfolio. we're going to. We're going to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you look about investing and how you can be efficient in investing, like so the unit of risk I'm willing to take, what is the return I can get? There's a whole universe of investments out there that aren't necessarily liquid. They don't have a QCIP. They don't trade. They're not a stock or bond. Some may be risky, but a lot of them aren't. So it's a matter of how do I diversify a portfolio to try to take away some of the gyrations that I'm witnessing because of whatever's going on, because of some exogenous event, because Russia decides to invade Ukraine, and all of a sudden my portfolio gets hit. So there are ways out there to, to stabilize a portfolio, not necessarily to realize excess returns, but returns per the unit of risk I'm willing to take. So there's a whole universe of investments out there that just people aren't necessarily aware of, don't know how to access, are looking for education, are looking for access, are looking for transparency. And that's what we're looking to bring to the financial community. The alternative asset class is diverse. We know stocks, we know bonds, and it seems like if somebody doesn't know what it is, it's an alternative. Um, (laughs) What are the main alternative asset classes investors should consider? So again, I think... 
you ask 10 different people, you'll get 10 different definitions of, of an alternative investment. I think the way we view it at Scion is anything that's not liquid or readily tradable or has a, a Q-sub associated with it. Um, so, but when we think of the main asset classes, I think you're talking about private credit, you're talking about real estate, you're talking about private equity, you're talking about infrastructure, things of that nature. However, there are others that will consider artwork, stamps, baseball cards as alternatives as well. We're not talking about that. We're talking about more of the bigger asset classes that the alternative investment managers that have billions and billions under management have been investing in for 20, 30 years on behalf of their institutional investors with great success, but retail investors have been slow to access those types of investments. Let's talk about the way you change the model. You create innovative fund structures that give managers the ability to make long-term investments, but also provide liquidity. How does that work? So if you think of what I just said, you know, private credit, private equity, real estate, not readily tradable. So you need a structure that allows for the investment manager to take more of a long-term horizon. If you think about an open-ended mutual fund, there could be the proverbial run of the bank where people want redemptions and an investment manager might be a forced seller. Uh, a closed-end fund, which obviously trades, if there's a lot of selling pressure, the price of the equity position in that fund will go down. What we've done at Scion is we've taken advantage of a couple structures so far. One is a business development company, and one is a, an interval fund. An interval fund, which, again, your listeners may or may not be aware of, is essentially a mutual fund. It is governed by the 40 Act. However, it is a hybrid of a closed-end and open-end. Um, by that, I mean the liquidity available to the investor is only available at certain intervals. So the investment manager then has the confidence to know they will never be a forced seller. They can invest long. They can take a longer-term horizon, and hopefully there's an illiquidity premium to that investing style. Um, so in that interval fund wrapper, there's also tender offer fund wrappers, which has that same um, limited liquidity. It allows the institutional manager to access these alternative investments that heretofore they would not have been able to do because it would have been more of a, in a structure that would have had a mismatch between the assets and the investor's expectations. As we mentioned, the 60-40 portfolio has had a pretty rough year. Um, has this accelerated the interest you've seen in alternatives from the individual investors and advisors? So it's a complicated answer. The, the answer is yes, um, but they're not necessarily willing to sell at a loss in their 60-40 portfolio and rotate right now into alternative investments. Um, you know, however, the biggest obstacle we faced over the last few years was actually the S&P. So we would meet with an alternative uh, financial advisor or, or what have you and explain our investing philosophy, our track record, and what we're trying to accomplish. But if their you know, stock portfolio was up 18 20%, they might not have been willing to listen. Um, I think most prognosticators think, you know, whether we're in a recession or not, and whether we come out of it in six months or 18 months, the next 10 years for the 60-40 portfolio will not be what we've seen in the last 10 years. Right? Most people think the S&P might be up 6 to 8% over the next 10 years, not 15 to 20%. And I think that has kind of brought renewed interest to, okay, I remember learning a little bit about this alternative investing. I turned my back on it then. Maybe I should listen. Maybe I should give it another look. Um, so we find ourselves really engaging in a lot more conversations, um, a lot more educating and discussing what it is an investor should look for, how we could stabilize a portfolio, how an alternative investment can diversify a portfolio, 
and take away some of those um, the gyrations I spoke about. Private credit has been in the headlines a lot this year and garnered a lot of investor interest, but still remains a list a less understandable for most people in, than private equity. Um, what should investors know about private credit? So I think private credit, you're right. I think the, uh, the total addressable market is absolutely enormous. It's getting bigger. Um, most advisors, when they think credit in their portfolio, think bonds, right? Bonds are typically unsecured. Um, the loans that we do and other private credit managers do are secured. Um, they are floating rate. Um, when we think about private credit, we're thinking about loans that, again, aren't traded. Um, the biggest companies out there, usually they go to a bolt bracket bank, a Morgan Stanley, a Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, or what have you, and they say, we need this type of loan, whether it's to support a, a recapitalization, uh, whether a private equity company is looking for backing when it buys another company. Those investment banks will put together a book, and they will underwrite it, but they're not going to necessarily hold that on their balance sheet. They then go out to their clients, insurance companies, CLOs, pension funds, what have you, and say, I got this loan that I'm helping to underwrite, and they look to make money by creating a market in that loan. The good news when that loan gets done is it's liquid. So the portfolio manager who participated in that loan and bought that loan, if and when they ever want to sell that loan, there's a market maker. Um, again, that is liquid. That tends to yield a little bit less because of supply demand. When we think private credit, we think kind of a bespoke bilateral transaction where the lender is going to hold that loan on their balance sheet. Um, they're going to sit right across the table, just like you and I are sitting across the table now, and negotiate a loan, negotiate a covenant package. You're going to get to know who your borrower is. That loan's not necessarily going to have to be rated. Um, the loan usually uh, yields more. Those loans, surprisingly enough, default less. And when they do default, they recover more. Um, the bad news about private credit is it's private. It's harder to access. You can't just call a bank and say, give me a private credit loan. Um, the good news is I think the borrowing community is realizing that there's a certainty to closing. And by that, I mean uh, if you go to a Morgan Stanley or what have you, and all of a sudden the market changes, you might have some flex language, and the price you thought you were getting is no longer there. For years, it was just a corner of the alternative investing market that was subject to only or available only to the biggest investors. And now private credit, which goes hand-in-hand and plays in the same ecosystem as private equity, is now available to retail investors. How should investors think about alternatives in context of a traditional allocation? So obviously it's up to the financial advisor and it's up to their liquidity constraints, right? So alternative investments aren't necessarily riskier. However, you don't necessarily have access to the capital when you need them. So if somebody says, I am buying a house in a year or two years, well, then maybe their allocation to alternatives should be a little bit less. For people that have a longer-term horizon and can carve off 10 15% of the portfolio and don't anticipate needing that money, you know, we think there's no reason why that 10 15% shouldn't be allocated to these type of alternative investments. If you look at the most sophisticated investors out there, the wealthiest investors out there, you know, if you look, look at the, the who's who of billionaires, almost the entire amount of their net worth is in real estate and illiquid holdings. So again, it's a tough question to answer. I think, though, that we can agree that there's generally an under allocation to alternatives by the retail investor writ large.
And that may be because of the knowledge gap between individuals and institutions. It's a big gap. How does Cyan address that? I, I know you're focused on education for investors and advisors, and it's a must. So what's your commitment to that kind of education? Yeah, you're 100% right. So the bigger alternative investment managers, they're trying to get into retail. Retail is still a smaller component of what they do. They're focused on their largest uh, investors, their sovereign wealth funds, their pension funds, and so forth. Their business model isn't necessarily geared towards the retail investor. Um, at Sion, we're, we're different. The retail investor, rest of the, excuse me, the retail investor is our customer. We are solely focused on them um, and their advisor. And you hit the nail on the head. Uh, for many years, they were worried. They mean the advisors worried on asset gathering, diversification, and just making sure their client was comfortable with the portfolio. And when the sixty forty portfolio worked, they did their job. Um, now there is a big knowledge gap. People have heard of private equity. They've heard of private credit. They all think they know real estate because most of them own a house. So they all think they're real estate experts. Um, but do they really know private credit, private equity, um, how it's not all the same, how business development companies are not all created equal, how interval funds are not all created equal, how to assess risk. Um, so at Scion, we, we focus a lot on, on webinars. We focus on podcasts. We focus on white papers. Um, it's about a touch. It's about getting them comfortable, get them and the advisors on what it is an alternative investment is, how it's not scary, doesn't have to be scary, but how they're all not created equal. Um, just like, quite frankly, stocks aren't all created equal, right? We've seen uh, certain stocks that have not performed well and some that do. And it's no different from alternatives. Um, but you're right that there has to be a real focus, uh, focus on education throughout the industry. Uh, it's a sign we're hoping to be a leader in doing that. You're the co-founder, co-creator, so it was your idea, and now you've built this fantastic company. Do you ever get a chance to look back and, and go, here's my idea, here's what I built, and is it better than I thought, and we, have, we still have so much to go? Focus on what you just said. We still have so much to go, right? So a lot of times people will say, you know, they'll congratulate my partner Mark and me about our, the job we've done to date, and I, I don't stop and think about that. Um, but you should. We probably should. But I think right now we're at uh, a really interesting inflection point in our industry. Um, we've been saying for years that the retail investor was underallocated, and it's just now starting to really take effect, where people are starting to say, "Well, maybe we are underallocated." Um, for years, the Blackstones and Apollos of the world never wanted to touch this space. Um, now, as the big guys go into the retail, bringing retail investors and alternative investments to, to meet up. You're seeing some fee compression. You're seeing increased visibility, increased transparency. So it's such an exciting time in our industry. Um, I want to make sure that Scion is there in the next three, five, seven years to take advantage of these secular tailwinds. Um, so you're right. We don't necessarily um, stop and pause where we've come from. We're just laser focused on where we want to go. And it seems like you've built something that's ahead of the curve. Yeah, we like to think so. I think, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, people looked at what we did and said, wait a second, you're raising money, $50,000 a pop from the mass affluent, from REAs, independent broker dealers and whatnot. Why? Why don't you just hire a placement agent and go raise $200 million from a pension fund? But I think we kind of understood that this was the future. Um, and just, and I think the future is now. It's, it's finally here. 
Um, so we have to make sure we, we execute. Well, Michael, congratulations. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Really appreciate you having me. To learn more about Scion, please visit scioninvestments.com. Please follow us for all the timely updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Julia Smolin, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.